Casey's mother was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was a sophomore in high school. She was in remission for one year, but then the cancer came back and eventually spread to her brain and bones. Casey is an only child and has been on, on her own ever since. While she understands that no one is ever prepared to lose their parent, she feels like it was much harder to grieve alone, especially because she was such a mama's girl. If you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment and rate and review the podcast on whatever app you are listening on. That helps others find the Daughters Without Moms podcast too. Thank you. And now, Casey's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me Casey. Um, Casey is in Texas, and I am in PA, but un- unrealistically, she's the one that's dealing with ice and winter weather there, and I told her it was almost 60 degrees here today, so uh, it's kind of flip-flopping where we are based on our locations, um, but I am going to turn the microphone over to Casey. I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us her story. And then when she's done, I'll come back with some questions at the end. So thanks so much for being here today, Casey. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to share my story with everyone. Um, I'm Casey. I currently live in Austin, Texas. And um, my experience is just um, from when my mom passed away, I was 22 years old. And my mom had had a really long battle with breast cancer. We've got very extensive family history, uh, ranging back to my mom's mom, my biological grandmother, who passed away when my mom was only seven, Um, and then a lot of different cousins and aunts on our side that have been diagnosed as well, too. So seeing my mother go through her own journey and, you know, all the medical things that come with it, when she told me that she was diagnosed, um, I feel like I had kind of been preparing for something like that to happen for a while. But in the back of my mind, I was kind of hoping for a miracle that maybe I wouldn't hear those sorts of things. But I'll never forget it. I was just ending my sophomore year in high school and she had a very serious demeanor to her. I think as daughters, you kind of understand, like you can feel it when you go into your room the tension or like if something just needs to be said so we pulled up to the house in the driveway and she just um, looked over and told me she she already had tears in her eyes so I knew that something was wrong so she told me I have something to tell you and I kind of already knew what was what was happening and when she told me that she was diagnosed the first thing that I asked her was you know are you gonna die I think that was the initial just fear of what was going to happen. Going through that journey with her really taught me a lot about how to advocate for myself and what to look for. Because as a child, in those moments, I don't think that we think about the things that are going to happen in the future. And I think that going through this just taught me so much. And it also made me have to grow up really quickly. So um, she was diagnosed. when I was in high school and the cancer unfortunately came back quite a few times um, starting from one breast and moving on to the other and then eventually spreading to her brain and to her her bones and just seeing her experience each of those 
diagnoses so gracefully too. Um, she went from being extremely, extremely upset and furious with God with thinking that she's done everything possible, going to doctor's visits and getting checked, doing her yearly mammograms. And just unfortunately, sometimes genetics don't bless you in that way. And um, I remember when they offered her to have the, the DIEP procedure where you have all your breast tissue taken out and surgically removed. And at the time, I think because she was in so much rage that she thought that that was too drastic of an out way to, to go. But I think, um, I really do think that if she had decided to go that way, that she would still be here today. And I always wonder what it would be like to have a mom right now, because I didn't realize that, you know, not having a mom at such a young age, I mean, 22 doesn't sound that old, but at the same time, you're still a child growing up and like I just I just wish I knew what it would be like to have her now and like as an adult instead of you know her just seeing me as her child um but I, I'm an only child myself so I didn't have this experience to share with anybody else and when things started getting really bad where she was constantly in and out of the hospital um it was really difficult it was really difficult to to talk to this about anybody nobody could really understand what i'm going through people don't really know what to say or people just kind of shut me out because i think it was hard for them to put themselves in that situation um but we did a lot of you know raising awareness at school and now it's made me a huge advocate for people in my life and make sure that they're doing the things that they need to to take care of themselves and when it came time for me to have my own procedure for um, my bilateral mastectomy with breast reconstruction, it really kind of prompted a lot of questions. Like if I was doing the right things for myself because it's such a kind of a taboo surgery, I guess you can say. Um, it seems pretty drastic, but you know, in the end, I think I'm gonna take every single possible chance to make sure that I don't get cancer. Um, and I've, I have been so blessed with this experience, not only in, in our faith, because at the end, my mom just ended up turning into this absolutely beautiful person when she passed away, it was so calm. And I never thought that, you know, death could be something like that, where she was, she was ready. She was calm about it. She was collective and she was able to share her story with so many different people and the transformation that they saw in her was just amazing. So it sounds weird sometimes when people say like, how can you think that such a situation could bring so much light to so many different areas? But I think it's all just in the way that we view it too. She passed away in 2009 on the 23rd of December and holidays for me will just never be the same. I don't really look forward to Christmas anymore just because it's so hard. Um, and I'm really thankful for the time that I did have with her. She taught me so much in such a short amount of time. And now as an adult, I'm about to be 36 in March. 
and just coming into age as being an actual adult there's so many things that I wish that I could tell her that I'm so thankful for things that I pushed back on that made no sense as a child but now as an adult I wish I could thank her things like 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 checking in or telling somebody where you're going making sure that you, you practice the buddy system all the time things like that I miss her her nagging me <laughs> I never thought that I would say that but um I miss her nagging me and just the little things that she used to do um we used to take forever to say goodbye to each other because we couldn't stop telling each other how much we loved one another and I miss things like that I miss hearing her voice I miss holding her hand and sometimes I will look at my friends and I envy their relationships with their moms when Mother's Day comes around it just makes me makes me wish that I had her I was trying really hard not to cry, <laughs> but I really do have to give credit to the amazing women that have stepped up in my life to be that missing puzzle piece that I long for so much. I know that no one will truly ever be able to replace her, but the amount of people, the mother figures that I have currently in my life, I'm just, oh, I could not be more thankful for complete strangers that have that have you know never met me or you know that have created a friendship with me and you know offer and say like you know I know I'm not your mom but she would be really proud of you or you should you know if she could see you and what you're doing right now she would be so proud of what you've accomplished and so happy with the person that you've become and oh, that just it makes me melt so much inside <laughs> um but it's been 13 years since she's passed um, this past Christmas. Her birthday is May the 7th, so right before Mother's Day. So those two always really do hurt. But I try and do my best to make the most out of her legacy, especially being the only child. Um, and I'm really proud of everything that I've accomplished. Um, Graduating was probably the biggest thing where I really wish that she had been there to see it, um, but really proud of everybody who came and supported me. I could definitely feel that she was there that day. And, you know, just with, you know, decisions, especially now, I wish that I could talk to her, you know, make sure that I'm on the right track. I think the hardest thing about this whole process is not always knowing if what you're doing is the right thing or having that person to ground you to tell you, I don't think you should do that. Or maybe you should think of things a different way, or I don't agree with what you're doing because sometimes I feel like I still need that. I still need someone to almost kind of put me in my place because growing up that fast and by myself was extremely hard. Um, I don't think that I coped well the first couple of years that it happened. Um, my stepdad and I completely um, separated communication. He was an amazing husband to her, but our our relationship just did not 
work out well at all. And it was a lot of drug use, a lot of different coping mechanisms to not feel anything for a long time. And um, I really wish that I would have had um, an adult there to kind of help me through it. But getting back into church and finding God and just leaning on him to help me get through those darkest moments are honestly the only reason why I'm here today. But through all of this, um, I just think that I just need to put my best foot forward and make sure that I'm trying to live in ways that she would still be proud of. I always kind of have these conversations with myself where I ask her, you know, I really hope that you are supportive in the things that like I'm choosing to do right now. And I'm still finding ways to make you proud of me because honestly, that would just make me so happy to know that even though she can't be here physically, that she still approves the things that I do. And to me, that would just make me the happiest knowing that she's content with that. I'm going to be 53 and I still look for that affirmation from my mom too. So I hate to be a Debbie Downer. You know, like you said, you're so grateful for these women who have come into your life and have, you know, stepped up in that um, maternal type of way. But there's just something about having that affirmation from your own mom that is um, different, I think. Especially because I was such a a mama's girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I do miss that the most just yeah the affirmation it's hard being your own cheerleader sometimes Mm -hmm. it sure is it sure is and I think like you said because you we grow up so fast um because you're you know thrown into that you don't have any other choice but to to either you know grow up and get strong or curl up in a ball and and not deal with it um and I think uh you know we tend to try to build ourselves up as best as we can because now we are daughters without moms. Um, but there is, there is a missing cheerleader for sure. Um, um, I don't know if you're comfortable with talking about like, you know, the, the genetic part of it, but I just think, you know, as far as for this as being a platform for, you know, people to learn about things too. Um, my sister had uh, the breast cancer mutation gene and I went through the genetic testing and I don't have it, but there's a whole, there's a whole um, process behind that genetic testing. Right. Like, right? like that. I don't think yes, people are is, aware of. It's, it's very extensive. Um, if, and if you don't advocate for yourself in the right way too, it's very hard for it to kind of just be dismissed. Um, so there is some criteria that you do have to meet. You have to have a sufficient amount of family members on either side that have been diagnosed. Um, and then there is the blood test that you do have to get. And um, it is can be pricey, but I know most insurances now will try and cover that. Um, it takes a couple of weeks to get your results back. And then I think the next hurdle is finding an oncologist and a plastic surgeon that you feel comfortable with to basically reconfigure your body. Cause that I feel was another big hurdle was, you know, going to therapy and kind of mentally preparing myself for how I was going to look after this whole procedure. Cause even I had my double mastectomy back in 2019 and I feel it's still taking me a long time to finally accept the new changes and accept like, you know, okay, this is 
this is how I'm going to look now for the rest of my life, you know, scars and everything. But, you Mm -hmm. know, that's what it's going to take. So that way I don't have to go through cancer and go through treatment and chemotherapy and all that, then I'm going to go ahead and take that avenue instead and try. Mm -hmm. Um, So if people don't, and haven't had an experience with a family member with this, with this hereditary type of breast cancer, you have basically a preventative double mastectomy to, to just preempt the cancer, having a space to, um, to multiply and thrive and to grow. Um, and, um, I, I don't know if you had to go through like the pre-genetic testing too, but like I had to go to two appointments before they would even give me the blood test because of oh, wow. all those, all this, like, I, it, it, if you are then diagnosed with a, with the gene, with some sort of um, genetic gene, like you may not be eligible for life insurance. There's like all of these. So these are the kind of things that I think that people, if they haven't been through this with someone, that there's just this whole, there's a, just a whole process of, it's not just the decision of, okay, if I am a carrier, am I going to going to have the preventative double mastectomy, which I had decided I was going to have it too. If, if I had tested positive, but there's many other life decisions around that whole process that they have to, right. they have to make you aware of before they'll even give you the test because it is such life-changing information that you receive right. from that test. Yeah. Yeah. So then I can imagine, I would hope that you were also offered a lot of counseling and support, like you said, for then having the procedure, um, because I'm sure that well, is... <laughs> Tough. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ironically, I graduated right at the beginning of October and about a week or two later after that, that's when I had my procedure. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. So it's just like the timing of it was just perfect. Um, but yeah, like I have an amazing team of doctors, my oncologist who treated my mom and now takes care of me and my preventative health. So we have an amazing bond. And even my plastic surgeon, I had to bounce around a couple of times until I found one that really understood me. And if it weren't for them, I don't know if I would have been able to have gone through it because I probably prolonged that surgery about two years because I was so scared. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a big decision. It's a really big decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's right. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit to make people aware of the whole, you know, process behind it. Um, and the other part of your story that just tugs at my heart is about, you know, being an only child um, and <laughs> losing your mom and then having to grieve on your own. Um, like, did was there anything that people did that like really um, supported you, you know, uh, like for people that are listening, like, what what can we do? What can we do to help? support people that are, you know, only children that have lost their parent. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, just listening. I think that was um, the hardest thing for most people was just to get them to want to listen. Cause I know even with my friends <laughs> every year when it's around my mom's anniversary, like they know kind of start to like pull back where I just want to be by myself and just kind of being a hermit but um my my two best friends um are actually 
they're my sisters. Um, they have literally carried me when I couldn't do it for myself. So they eventually just adopted me into their family. Their dad even calls me one of their daughters and they Aww. from here on out will always call me their sister. So it means the world to me because I've always wanted to have siblings. But just listen to these people that you know want that take the time to actually want to share something that is so intimate and so private and extremely scary because as women I know that we're the best at combating so many different emotions and at all different times and also dealing with the stress of taking care of children and you know with your relationships and things like that too but for something like this your body and having to go through such major changes just listen to them give them a hug maybe cook them a meal just anything that's going to bring them some kind of comfort let them pet your dogs if you don't have animals just anything um I think that would have been really nice if somebody would have just you know said I don't understand what you're going through but I'll listen to you and I'll be here and I'll give you a hug and if you need to call me at four in the morning because you can't sleep then call me you know and I'll be on the phone and I'll listen to you because that would have just made all the difference for me but I really hope that this will hopefully change somebody's mindset of, you know, maybe you can't fully understand what you're going through and, and put yourselves in their shoes, but everyone can just be compassionate and listen. Mm -hmm. And I think you said it right when you said, you know, I, I maybe don't understand what you're going through and I don't know the right things to say, because I think that's unfortunately what every, what we all do in those awkward situations where you just want to make somebody feel better. A lot of times we say right. things that don't necessarily come out, you know, in the way that are intended. So I love that you, you know, just said, I'm, so, you know, I don't really know what you're going through, but I can listen and I can hug you and I can, you know, support you in any way that works for you. Um, I like that a lot because it is hard. I've tried to move away from the generic, you know, what can I do? And I try to offer like things like, can I bring you a meal on Tuesday? Or, you know, do you want to meet for a walk on Friday? You know, like a couple of different yes. things because people are so overwhelmed when they're in the, in that deep valley of grief that, you know, right. Yeah. That generic, what can I do to support you is, you know, just an open-ended question. That's really hard to answer. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth because I mean, I have horrible ADHD and as it is making decisions for myself is hard. So <laughs> it would be great if someone just kind of like took the reins and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate you being here and, and don't, don't please about, you know, getting, um, emotional and crying. I mean, that's because we're, um, grieving the love that we, that we have had and have lost. So um, I was going to unmute myself when you were in the middle of that, but just know that that happens a lot and that it is just a, <laughs> a sign of the, of the love that you're missing in your life. Um, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story about that. So I usually wrap up with, if there's a final thought or something that you want to share with the listeners before we finish up today. Um. If you have your mom right now and you're listening to this, cherish those moments because I would give anything just to have another day with her. Um, I always stop and think about, you know, how it must have been 
raising a child at the age that I'm at now, and I don't know how she did it. So I would just, you know, give anything to be able to thank her for all the sacrifices that she made. And, you know, if whatever maternal figure you have in your, in your life right now, just tell them thank you, do some sort of nice little act of service for them, just to let them know how much you appreciate them in your life right now. You never know what could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I've been very, um, <clears throat> I think one of the things that I've learned from my, I lost my mom when I was 13 is that I, um, I do tell people how important they are to me and how much I love them and, mm-hmm. and that I appreciate them because, because you never know and you never know, you know, what difference that would make in somebody else's life either to know that, you know, they're making a difference to you. That's, that's huge. That's all, you know, at the end of the day, that's, but there's that Maya Angelou that, that people won't remember how, what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Casey, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you. This was a great time. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.